Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and today we're going to be talking about using conversation as an instrument of change. Now, as it is my custom, though, before we get started in this conversation, we want to invite us into a moment where we center ourselves and we just find our breath. So if you could with me, I'd like you to just find your centering place and take a moment to find your breath, to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. Breathe in the knowledge that these choices manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. As you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out. Acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in and sigh it out. Let's get started. Hmm. Race, racism, and all the nuances that accompany these concepts have very visible effects in the large system and really in the political machines that influence and govern our greater society. These effects are real and the consequences are painful. However, we must remember that these systems and machines are man-made. Really, 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 there is always a man behind the curtain. A shift in these systems requires transformation in the minds and in the hearts of people. And that transformation can happen in many ways. And one of the ways that it can happen is through conversation. So I'm delighted today to have my guest, Tracy J here to discuss exactly how conversations can really be an instrument of change. Tracy J is known as the quiet rebel. Her work in the world is creating incremental and organic shifts to the status quo. And she uses conversations again to help change that status quo. Tracy J has a framework called 100 Voices, Guided Conversations and Human-Centered Equity. We are going to hear more about that in a few minutes. She is committed to her service, uh, servicing others, and really has been in the service industry for two decades, and she's volunteered. She's been involved in nonprofits. And one of the things uh, I'm really excited about, Tracy doesn't know this, but she currently serves as the regional representative 
for the Labyrinth Society. And I have a deep love for labyrinths. And she is also active on the League of Women Voters Marketing Committee. So I want to welcome to the show today, Tracy J. And I also, Tracy, as I welcome you to the show, I just want to thank you because for our listeners, they probably saw that there was another guest who was appearing on the show and um, Monica Rogers, who can, could not be here today. And Tracy J stepped in for her. So welcome, Tracy. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stepping in today. Oh, good morning or afternoon or evening or whatever time it is, wherever people are. Um, and thank you. Thank you for the um, invitation. I'm happy to be here. Hmm. Tracy, I am going to start out with the question that I ask every guest. When we do this work of dismantling racism or changing the status quo, whatever it is, with that, there comes a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And there comes a time when you're saying, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? (laughs) Help, help, help. And so I start out always asking, what grounds you in this work? Um, so, one, I like to think that I'm mostly grounded. Um, that I'm mostly at my center. Um, and when I am not, then there are three sort of go-to things for me. The first one is silence. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of speaks to the, the quiet part of the quiet rebel. Um, I really am intentional about silence. Um, I, I host silent retreats. That's how much I really enjoy silence. Um, the second, um, which you mentioned earlier, and I didn't know was a, a passion for you as well, is labyrinths. I um, absolutely love being on labyrinths um, because it's sort of a walking meditation. And um, and I don't always do well with sitting still. I don't mind being still in my thoughts, but I don't always do well with sitting still. Um, and the third one, uh, which always surprises people, is that I blow bubbles. Yes. I blow bubbles um, mm. as a way to remember my breath mm. and also to um, watch the things that are hindering my progress flowed away. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And we'll talk more offline about the the labyrinths because I do believe that there's more than one way for us to be connected with the work that we do. And I find that for me, labyrinths, actually, when I walk them, they give me my next direction. And I, I walked one back in August and it gave me the ending to my book chapter. Uh, So it it was just really, really powerful. But let's go back to the quiet, the quiet rebel. Tell us about that name. So um, I actually polled my friends. um, So, well, not just friends, people who know me um, to ask what comes to mind when they think of me. And uh, I was searching for sort of this umbrella to catch all of the work that I was trying to do in the world at the time and not being able to wrap my arms around it all. Um, and 
people shared their three words. I asked them for three words. And neither quiet nor rebel was on anybody's list. <laughs> but the energy that they spoke to when they talked about who they see me as, um, those two sort of energies showed up. Mm. Um, I, I am, um, I'm an introvert, which doesn't always, I don't always present as an introvert um, because I really like people, but I, I am an introvert. I really like being with myself. Um, and I um, have learned to um, appreciate silence because silence has helped me move through some very dark places. Mm. Um, and then the rebellion part, um, it's how I'm wired. Um, I don't do injustice well. Mm. And when I see things that aren't right, I feel um, compelled to say something about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that necessarily has to be done with a bullhorn. Right. But I do think that it has to be done. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so tell us about that then, because um, one of the things when I'm working with people around dismantling racism There are people who will say, I'm not going to be the one that's out there in the street marching on a protest. I may not even be the one that's on Facebook, you know, making statements and comments. And in fact, I recoil from that. So tell us about being a quiet rebel. What are some of the things that you've done and and that you would encourage other people uh, to do as well? So um, one of the things I think people forget about this work of dismantling racism and all the systems that racism created um, is that it's daily. It is how we interact human to human. And so even if you are not out in the street, even if you are not um saying all the things, vomiting on the keyboard, as some might describe it with social media. Yes. Um, If you are treating human beings as human beings and living a life where you respect dignity and lived experience, then that is quiet rebel enough. Because the the world will tell you to do otherwise. The world will say, um, give in to the systems as they are. The world will say, um, be nice and get along. Mm-hmm. Um, but the world does not always say, be honest when things are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, or to stand in your own integrity when you see things that are outside of what you truly believe is right. Mm -hmm. I I love what you're saying, Tracy, but one of the thoughts that's coming as, as you are encouraging people to stand up for what's right. And when they see things that are not right to make a change by using, using their voice or, or doing something else, 
The, the, the issue, though, becomes when people don't see because people don't know what they don't know. And I'm amazed at the number of people when George Floyd was murdered to say, I didn't know that it was that bad. But how many other black and brown folks had been murdered? But And, and you saw it. You saw it on the screen. So I think before you know, in this quiet rebel place, I admire it and love it, but there has to be this awakening and this eye opening and this willingness to hear when other people are saying, this is a problem or to see me enough to say, your life is a little different than my life. We we walk in the same circles, but there's something you experience that I don't experience. Yeah, well, you know, all of us have been taught the same set of things because we grew up in the same spaces. Um, And that is that um, all the things that are um, white are right. Mm -hmm. We've all learned that. (laughs) Um, Some of us have been fortunate enough to know that that's not necessarily true. Right. And um, and I'm I am grateful that people are coming to a place, even if it seems um, to be slowly, that they are trying to see. Mm, mm. I think that's a that's a really really great point, and it's a really great place for us to take a break. Uh, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this quiet rebel because really. It's quiet, but not so quiet. There's a way that you you shake things up in your own way and you get the voices going out there. So we are going to take a break and we're going to be right back to talk with Tracy J. just a little bit more. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 
We're back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Tracy J., who's known as the Quiet Rebel. Tracy, before the break, we were talking about some ways in which uh, folks who may be a little bit more introverted or we're just not ready to be out there starting their own movements and, you know, shouting in the streets. What are some ways that people can get involved? And you talked about some um, very dynamic ways in terms of opening our eyes to things, becoming more and more awake and being able to use our voices when we are a little bit more awake and and I love that you said that right before the break that there there's incremental change. And sometimes for some of us, we're, we get frustrated with this idea of incremental change and we wonder, are we doing anything? Is, is the work that we're doing, does it matter? Are we influencing anybody out there? And what we realize is that really, the power of one is the power of community and there's a ripple effect. And you have done some work that has had some, a major ripple effect and it wasn't something that you were intending on, but in your quiet rebellious way, you started something that took off. So I'd love for you to talk to us about 100 voices. Absolutely. Um, I still, as the uh, cliche would go, I still have to pinch myself about 100 voices. Um, in my vocational life, before I was a solopreneur, um, I worked in um, a lot of faith communities and had many opportunities to have interfaith conversations, to create interfaith conversations, to help facilitate them. Um, and I could see how powerful those conversations were with people getting to know something about something they knew nothing about. Um, and I wondered if anyone was having these same kinds of conversations with people about their lived experience with race and culture. And I didn't see it. Um, despite living in Houston, which is the most diverse city in our country, I, I couldn't find a place where people were having the kind of conversation that I, that I wanted us to have. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And so in February of last year, I hosted the first 100 Voices Dinner Dialogue on Race and Culture. We brought together 100 women of various backgrounds, ages and socioeconomics and religions and skin color and all demographics. Um, and we had a guided conversation about our lived experience. And I uh, thought when I hosted that first one that, you know, if this is good, we'll do it again next year. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened after that really took my breath. Um, the women who showed up for that first event, by and large, said, we haven't had enough time. <laughs> when can we do this again? How, how do we stay connected? Um, then a friend in Seattle, Megan, 
um, a friend who has become family now, Megan, um, reached out and said, hey, I saw this event that you hosted in Houston, and I really think Seattle could use that. Mm. Would you replicate it in Seattle? And I said, sure, let's let's do that. Um, and so she and I started talking um, the beginning of March of last year about planning an event for summer of last year. Well, then the world shut down. Mm. Within two weeks of our having that conversation, the, the whole world was shut down. And um, so we decided not to scrap it, but to see if we could um, do it virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we set about our plan to do this virtual event for women in Seattle. And then George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this event that was a passion project for me um, became essential work. And women all over the country were asking, how do we start this conversation? How do we how do we get together with other humans and have a dialogue about the things that are wrong in our country? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the thing about 100 Voices and the people who have participated to date in 100 in, the, in a 100 Voices conversation will tell you that our discussion is not about what's wrong in the country. Mm. Our discussion is just about who we are as humans. Mm. And giving someone an opportunity to see the world through your worldview, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a is the place where we have to start. Because if we can't acknowledge that someone has a different worldview than I have, um, or that that the world may affect them differently, then we're just going to be stuck in the same spaces where we've been. Yeah, you know what? What I love about what you're saying is as I'm listening to this, there are three sort of things that occurred to me. One, the fact that you had your first 100 voices before George Floyd was murdered, which means that there are people out there who have a hunger to just connect with one another on a human level, like you're saying, to understand that we have a shared humanity and I want to know more about you. Because when we know more about one another, we become concerned about one another. And that is the thing that drives us to movement. But the second thing is, as I listen to your story about the evolution of 100 voices, is that it reiterates something that I tell uh, my congregation all the time. What you do matters. As you said, you had one plan in mind. We're going to do this and maybe we'll do it annually. But there was that hunger and thirst that said, no, this is beyond, first of all, this beyond you, right? Yeah. So even though what you do matters, it's, it's stimulating something much bigger. And so I want that to be an encouragement to people out there. Whatever your idea is, go with it. And the other thing that struck me when you were talking was where there's a will, there's a way. Because a lot of people would have said, all right, we're not going to do this. It's not going to be the same. But you took your passion and your know-how and you made it work. And that's what I want to encourage our listeners to do is that 
wherever you are, do whatever you can, wherever you are. It doesn't yeah. have to be the Tracy J or the Reverend Dr. TLC, but you've got something that really, really matters. So yeah, I, I want to I, I share a quick story with you about 100 voices. Um, because sometimes people get caught up in the number. Um, and when other people have invited us to now have been invited um, by organizations and by corporations, and they say, well, what if we don't have 100 people? Um, so this is also a labyrinth story. Um, the week before our first event in Houston, um, I was lamenting that we had not reached 100 because that was the number in my mind, 100 and um, and I'm like, I'm born in Houston, raised in Houston. I know so many people in this city. How come I can't find 100 women who want to come have this conversation? Yeah. And so I went to walk the labyrinth, um, one of my favorite in the city. And what I heard on that walk was When you show up in a room, you bring all the women who came before you mm. and you bring all mm. the people who will come after you. Mm. And so if you have one person or you have a hundred people, you still have a hundred voices. Mm. And so mm. that shifted something inside me that day. Mm. And then we did reach our goal within about three days of me having that walk, but it was such a powerful message to me in that moment um, that I was concerned about the wrong thing. Mm. Tracy, now if I was in church, I might say, amen, amen. Look, I, I really just had a shivering over my body because here's the thing about a labyrinth. A labyrinth actually invites you to bring all the people into that space with you that you love, your ancestors, all those people walking with you. And what I love about it is just the, the clarity that that's who's walking in the room with you. Now, we could go off on labyrinths and, and that, that'll be maybe a whole another show for us to have. But it goes back to the grounding and staying in your purpose and your passion and the movement. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. Tracy, we're going to have to take another break. But when we come back, you mentioned this word human. And I know for you, human stands for something. It's an acronym for something. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. When we return from our commercial break, we have to take a quick break. This is Dismantle Racism. Again, I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Tracy J. We'll be right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show. 
which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. I'm back with my guest today, Tracy J, the quiet rebel who is really shaking up the world in her quiet way that's not so quiet because ultimately it's about using our voice to uh, to change the status quo. But there are multiple ways that we can do that. And so before the break, you were talking about 100 Voices where you gathered a group of women together to have conversations uh, just about ourselves and what matters to us. But you talked about our humanity and how we have to connect as humans. So I know for you that humans, that word human is an acronym. Talk to us a little bit about what that's about. So um, in my work, I say that I do human-centered equity. Um, In the corporate world, there's a lot of jargon right? There's um, diversity and inclusion and equity and justice and belonging and access. And the the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer for ways describing how to be better humans to each other. Mm. And so I put human first. And um, human is an acronym for me. Um, Mm. It is honest, urgent, meaningful, accountable and nuanced. Mm. And so these are the the ways I think that we should measure how we are approaching the work of equity. Mm. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit then. I love this word urgent. And I know that you have some thoughts around what it means to be urgent, particularly since you just mentioned a little bit earlier that um, incremental change is yes. a group. We have to value incremental change as well, right? Yes. So talk about this urgency because you know there are those who are, who are listening, um, who are thinking we can't wait for more black bodies to be killed. Right. You know, right. but yet we're saying urgent but incremental. So. Help us to understand. Yes. So when I say urgent, I mean 
that it means something to you, that it is that you are seeing it as important and that you are actively doing something mm. in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that urgent has to be abrupt. Mm. I think that those are two different concepts. Okay. Um, I know that we are tired. Mm. We are tired of living in a world that does not see us. We are tired. When I say we, I'm speaking as a black person in America and not for black people in America, but collectively we mm -hmm. are tired of systems that don't value us and that don't see us as human. And so there has to be some urgency. There has to be a decision made by people that this work is important mm -hmm. and that we are going to actively pursue it, not put it as a checkbox and say, oh, we've, we've done this training or we have hired this person with this particular title and now we're going to check that off the box. But that, but that we, we are moving every day in every moment in that direction. Mm. I just love that you said we don't see it as a box that we checked. Because what we noticed in 2020, well, we've noticed it long before that, but really in 2020, I saw people just giving money, money, money. Now, mind you, we benefited, you know, some people of color mm -hmm. did benefit in ways. I, and when I say we, I mean, if you, if money was given to something that you were involved in, yes. right? So I know both my daughters go to HBCUs and there were organizations that gave plenty of money to that. And so there were people there who, who benefited. And, um, and so I'm grateful for that from that perspective. There's also a large group of people who don't benefit from those gifts. Right. And right. so what I did see though was, and I'm not just talking about colleges and universities, I'm talking about corporations, corporations, um, you know, where where they might have suddenly started to show all their people of color who were in, you know, high level positions or they promoted people or all of these these things that I call surface level. It doesn't require and if you notice those things were abrupt. They were abrupt. were abrupt. Exactly. And when they are abrupt, they're not long standing. And so that becomes the frustration is that there needs to be some self-transformation that occurs because when you transform yourself, and I think that in your human perspective that you're talking about is looking at yourself in order to be able to look out and see other people and say, I want to do something for the long run because you started by saying, yes, we are tired. And what happens, I find with the people, white people, let me be very clear and direct about that. The white people who get involved in this work abruptly, to use your term, because something happens, they're not sustained over time because they don't have to deal. They, they can choose to say, I'm done with this. This is too much. Yeah. And there have been times yeah. as a black person that I've said, you know what, I'm not going to do any more trainings on uh, dismantling racism. I'm moving on <laughs> to the next thing because there's something else that God is calling me to do. But just right. when I think that I can just stop 
you know, really engaging deeply in the work because I always engage in it, something else happens. So you can't turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things um, that just came to me while we're having this discussion is that um, urgency is internal. Mm. When you move with urgency, it is because a thing is important to you. We move abruptly because of external things. There's a car coming, so I jumped out of the way. That's abrupt. Wow. Yeah. Right. And Mm. so, so I need to factor in into this thought of being urgent, that it is intrinsic. Mm. No one else can create urgency for you. Mm. I can tell you why it's urgent for me, but that doesn't mean that you will respond in that same way. Right. Right. And in order for us to do this work effectively, it has to be urgent for you. Mm. I love that. I I so love that. Um, wow. It, it, I'm glad you blew, blew the bubble as well, because sometimes you just need to breathe and take in the message that you're giving. I want to ask you, we can't talk about all of, of the components of human, but I want to ask you about this nuance. What does that mean? Yeah. So it goes back to this concept of centering lived experience. Um, Because one of the things that we um, have a tendency to do as as humans is to sort of um, have this hierarchy of despair. Mm. And, um, and we, the pain that is current for me, I need you to see that front and center and it needs to override the pain that is current for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in this work, when we are centering humans, we have to take into account that every one of us is bringing something with us. Mm. And so it is, it is difficult to speak to all the needs at once. But you have to consider that all the needs are there. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I want, you know, I'm, I'm taking a pause here because one of the hardest things when I work with people on dismantling racism, you know, facilitating groups, people do want to compare their pain. And oppression has no hierarchy. And I love the way that you're saying this because just because I'm saying in this moment, this is what my pain is, doesn't mean that I'm taking away your pain for whatever you are experiencing. What I find, though, is that we're much more comfortable talking about those other pains than we are talking about racial pain. And that's where I think that your 100 voices inviting people in to talk about culture, to talk, and and, and you're saying culture, but I'm sure there's there's a lot of race that's talked about there. And, you know, culture sometimes is an easier word 
for people to hear. And that's why I do my centering. Well, that's why I'm intentional. Yeah, that's why I'm intentional about saying both, Mm -hmm. about saying both race and culture. Yes. Um, Because we often want to say culture and then sweep everything into the culture box. Yes. Yes. But we know that in America, race has its own energy. Yes. And so if we don't talk about race specifically, then we are ignoring a big chunk of the despair that is happening in this country. It's very easy to say, um, well, we're addressing that um, multicultural need. Mm -hmm. But but then we don't tell truth about the actual pain inflicted on Black and Indigenous people Mm. on the soil of this country. Yes, yes. That is so, um, so powerful. I've had the great privilege for the last few weeks of um, co-teaching a social justice class with a group of Jewish teenagers. And um, one of the things that I shared with them was that one of the things I really appreciate about the Jewish faith and culture is that they are taught their history. All of us are taught their history, but they are taught their history and um, the good stories and the bad ones. Mm. And so they are a people who knows where where they have come from. Mm. Um, And the rest of us don't get to forget that. But we black people in America don't get that privilege. Right. And so this is what I was going to say. You said all people are taught their history. All people are taught a history. Because in this country, we've been taught a history that's built on lies. And what I love about what you're saying is like there is for Jewish people, there is an intention of teaching the culture and immersing one in the culture and knowing the good and bad. But I think that in this country, particularly as it relates to uh, the, the African person, in this country, of African descent in this country, we have to be so busy trying to avoid lies or cover up lies that we don't teach that. And so therefore, when white people do find out about the history, there's anger associated. Like, why wasn't I taught this part? And I'm thinking, well, you know, ask questions, right? And so as as also as people, uh, black and brown people in this country, Um, As well, there's so much of our history that we don't know because we don't dig deep enough. And I believe that we should have schools where we are teaching one another, uh, teaching our young black and brown folks about their heritage, which is what I love about HBCUs, because you're going to know who you are when you come out of an HBCU. But Tracy, of course, we have to take another break. When we come back, Tracy, there's another acronym, which is LOVE that you often talk about in your work. So we're going to be right back. And I want to hear all about what that stands for. This is Dismantle Racism. We'll be right back with my guest today, Tracy J. 
Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and Tracy J is my guest today. Tracy, before the break, you told us about your acronym, uh, HUMAN, and now I want to talk about your, your acronym for love, because I know that the work that you do is, the foundation is love, which is really important to you, and you're wearing your love shirt today. So tell us what love is all about in in this work on uh, changing the status quo? Yes, so um, I use love as a framework for conversations. Um, The sort of tagline is love first always. And so I think that's where we need to start anytime we're having these conversations. Um, but yes, love is an acronym. I love acronyms. And so there's lots of them in my work. Um, and love is listen with your heart, observe your own biases, venture into unfamiliar territory and expect the best. Mm. Uh, I, I find that if we are able to do those things, then whatever the subject of the conversation is, that we can get through it. Mm. And so how do you teach people to observe their own biases? So being able to observe your own biases starts with knowing that you have some. Um, And that takes some work on the back end before you come to a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I mention it in my work even when we haven't had a chance to do the back end of, of uncovering our individual biases, yes. um, 
because I, I want to make sure that it's stated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That um, that even if you haven't yet identified what they are, please know that there are some. Right. And that they come with you into this conversation. Mm-hmm. And so if you are hearing something that is making some bells go off inside your heart or your mind, it may be a bias that you need to address. Mm-hmm. And to sit with that bias, right? And to, because, and to, to own it and to sit with it. Yes, because often people are so <laughs> at this place of saying, I'm not a racist, or which no one is calling you that when we're having a conversation. But if you have to quickly go to, I'm not a racist, maybe you should just check that because we all have a tendency to do things that perpetuate systemic racism. Yes. Because the backdrop of everything that we do and the standard of everything we do is based on whiteness. And so when we when we start responding in such a way that we're perpetuating that, sometimes we need to take a step back and say, well, well, how am I doing that? How am I showing up bias? Of course, we all have biases. Of course we do. There's about anything. We have a bias. Right. So I, I really just appreciate this idea of observing the biases and trying to be in, in tune with that. Um, you also mentioned, um, and I think this goes along with the observing the biases, which is the venturing into unfamiliar territory. Yeah. So <clears throat> One thing is that a conversation is not a competition. Mm. So when you're having a discussion with someone, you are simply sharing ideas. And if you are having a conversation with another human, it is likely that some of those things that they share will be unfamiliar to you. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. (laughs) We don't have to fear the unknown. We are so taught, conditioned to fear what is unknown to us or what is perceived as different. But we don't stop to think that every person we know is different from us in some way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we reconfigure our thought process that every human I know is different from me in some way, difference doesn't seem as frightening. Tracy, I I just know that the work that you do with uh, 100 Voices and within the trainings that you do is phenomenal work. I can tell by the way that you present here. But before we run out of time, I really want to hear about this project that you have coming up really soon with 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 my guests from for next week. Actually, yes, it's called Liberation freeing ourselves from racism and patriarchy. Talk to me a little bit about that and tell our audience about that and how they can learn more about it. Yes, um, thank you for that. So I am partnering with my friend, Monette Chilson, um, to talk about these twin systems of racism and patriarchy. Um, and, And I will... I will say here to your audience, because we're talking about dismantling racism, that this um, started from a conversation I was having with Monette, where I was telling her I was really feeling triggered by white women. 
I was really feeling triggered by white women who will jump headfirst into the patriarchy struggle and say, you know, men are treating us poorly and um, women's rights and, you know, and because of intersectionality, I, being a woman, identifying as a woman, those things resonate with me. Absolutely. I see patriarchy. But some of those same women, not all of them, but many of those same women, when asked to have a conversation about race, turn a blind eye to it mm. as if it's not the same fight. Mm. And it is the same fight. Mm. And so um, so I was having a conversation with Monette and she and I sort of um, solved the problems of the world together on a somewhat regular basis. And uh, and we said, you know what? You spend a lot of time talking to people, uh, me to Monette, you spend a lot of time talking to people about patriarchy. Um, and I spend a lot of time talking to people about race. Why don't we talk about those things together? Mm. You know, and, and for the audience, Monette is a white woman. So I think that's important to know that that the two of you are to coming are coming together to talk about two things that are really important. And actually, this issue of feminism and fighting for racial um, equity and, and there being like this battle between the two groups has been longstanding. I mean, I think about, was it Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony? Uh, I think it was Susan B. Anthony. Don't quote me, people, um, <laughs> but who were in a battle about this as well. And even back in the day um, when abolitionists were fighting for us, right? Fighting for enslaved people to be free. Yes. And so we have to understand there's a part for for all of us to come together and work together on this, but we're so busy saying, no, it's my rights that we have to be concerned about. So tell us when will the program start and uh, how, how people can get in touch with you and learn more about it. So it is a six week program um, starts January 13th. So next month, very excited. Um, We'll put the link somewhere in the show notes or in the comments um, to register for that class. And it'll also be on my website and as well as the Girl God Books website um, that Monette is part of. Mm -hmm. Tell us what your website is. Oh, yes. My website is Mm quietrebellife.com. And um, I am, as the people say, Googleable. So (laughs) if you search for Tracy with an I-E-J-J-A-E, I'm easy to find. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy J. It has been wonderful having you on the show. I can't wait to talk to you more and more and more. Um, I feel like we're kindred spirits in this work that we're doing. I know that you have a blessing that you want to offer for us. So could you please uh, offer us a blessing? Yes. So my blessing is very simple. It is thank you and amen. I don't think that we have to say much more than that. Yes, 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 yes. That is it. So I am so grateful again for you being on the show and I'm grateful to the audience for listening. I invite you to stay tuned to the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where Sam helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now.
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.